All right, we are going to get started here. Uh, welcome everyone to the June edition of the Forest Park Southeast Neighborhood Association meetings. Um, we've got a packed agenda tonight on the agenda. Uh, before we get to the agenda, ground rules. Um, if you have any questions, please enter them into the chat. Uh, if you're attending in person, raise your hand to the spike to the, to speak so we can provide the mic. Uh, please, no interruptions, and then behave with common courtesy. If you can, hold your questions until the end. We do have quite the busy agenda today. Um, it should be a good one. Speaking of, uh, we have, we'll start out with the crime and safety report, go into some ward updates from Alderman Browning, neighborhood updates from Ron Coleman. Uh, I'll go through some community news and events. Um, we have Dexter from his art studio here. And live and in the flesh, we have a, many of his beautiful paintings that he will talk about. And then we have uh, the city assessor um, who will talk about all your uh, real properties and property uh, taxes. Uh, if you had an odd numbered uh, address, they might have went up this year. Um, so we're going to start with the crime and safety report. Officer Walker is here and I will hand off the mic to her. Nicola Walker, how's everybody doing today? Just a quick update. I've given you guys the printouts for your last three uh, weeks of incidents that occurred in the neighborhood. If you have any questions about that, feel, please feel free to uh, ask me about them. If you have any issues or concerns that you need us to look into or think we should follow up on, let me know. Um, you guys should have my phone number on there and my email. You can call me or email either one. Email is always the best option to get me. Um, like I said, because I'll be in and out the office or up in my car, I have my email, my computer up. Or if you're sending me an email and I'm not in, I can send it to one of the other two neighborhood liaison officers so that they can follow up on it. Um, quick update, our non-emergency number has been updated as of last month. Um, and with that update, you guys may call and what it's supposed to do is to reroute you to uh, certain units or divisions that you may need to take reports. So whether it's a non-emergency incident, you need to report your car stolen, it could be dumping rubbish, um, crime stoppies, human resources, all of that, it should be an option for you on that when you call to say, you know, push this number, push that number. Um, it has been an incident where they may ask you to leave a message and someone would call you back. I guess that's just um, depending on what the manpower looking up uh, is um, actually what the manpower um, is up there. So just be mindful of that um, if you don't want to be on hold with non-emergency, you can always call the station and they can direct you in the right direction or um, get a car out to you. So either or it's been updated and I'm hearing they may have some issues with it, but I'm sure they're going to get it all worked out. So that's just a brief update. I am working on having someone from communications come out to the meetings. Um, they couldn't make it this month because they're down to like two supervisors working. So the earliest I can get someone out would be next month, um, depending on a date. So I have two dates li um, listed already where I have someone coming, but they weren't able to get Forest Park on the um, schedule yet. So we're still working on that. Um, she is open to possibly doing a Zoom meeting with you guys if that may work in the schedule so that someone can talk to you guys and answer questions about that. So I will work with them to see if we can get that scheduled for you guys. But other than that, I am going to stand to the side that you guys continue on. But if you have any questions for me, I'll be here. Like I said, send me an email or shoot a call. Cool. Thank you so much. Uh, do you have the non-emergency number you can provide us? 
two, three, one, twelve, twelve. Sweet. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to jump into board updates. Uh, Michael, do you want to take the mic? Hello, folks. Good evening. Uh, this is really exciting. What a neat environment to be able to speak in tonight. Um, if you don't know Dexter, you should know Dexter. Great guy. Beautiful art. Um, I have a few word updates. Uh, first, uh, I want to discuss a bill that uh, we are going to be voting on this Friday, and it's, uh, it's not good news, I'm afraid. Uh, the water rate is going to be going up. Uh, we find ourselves in a situation in the city where the water department is not solvent. Its costs have gotten larger than their revenue. Uh, and uh, this is where I have to note that the water department is an enterprise fund, which means that it operates off of the, uh, the cost it collects from its consumers, that is you. Uh, it is not under the general revenue fund, so the city does not actually operate the money or fund it through its method. It is funded through the rates that it charges its people. Uh, those rates have remained the same for about 13 years, while all the other costs have gone up. Last year, the water division had about $26 million in its reserves, uh, and they burned through about $24 million in cost overruns, leaving about $2 million left. And so far, if you've been watching the news, you've seen that there's been water breaks across our city. Uh, these are very expensive to maintain. The one that happened near Highway 40 in Hampton costs over a million dollars to repair. So this increase is to pay for the day-to-day -day operating costs of the water division. It is not to do major infrastructure upgrades. It's not to do anything else. Uh, we will have to budget money for that in the future. And we are looking at other revenue sources to do that, including using some of the Rams settlement money. But this is to cover the daily cost of the chemicals to treat your water, to make sure that it's safe and reliable to drink, that the infrastructure, when it fails, can get repaired. Uh, and because past boards did not raise the rates, we had to raise them 40%. What that will equate to, it sounds like an alarming number, but that'll equate to an extra $5 on your monthly bill. Uh, it's important to note that we are still one of the lowest rates in the region. St. Louis County pays about twice what we do for water. Uh, and we are again going to be looking to make sure we have a better process for this in the future. But right now we, uh, we did have to vote to raise the rates uh, it is a matter of an emergency in this city. Uh, we, we don't want to have anyone be in a situation where their pressure drops or their water is under a boil order. Uh, this is the kind of thing that we have to do in order to keep clean, safe, reliable drinking water in our city. And uh, if you've been to other cities, I think you know we have something special here in St. Louis. We have really great water and we'd like to keep it that way. Uh, if you have any more questions about that, please let me know. There is financial assistance available for people if that extra money is uh, not feasible for them. And I'm happy to connect you to those resources if that's an issue for you. Uh, in other news, we are discussing uh, some bills at the board that will regulate short-term rentals. Uh, we had a hearing about that today and are discussing legis legislation that would at least require people to apply for a permit to operate these so that we know who's who to contact if there are issues so that we can pull the license if there is a problem. Uh, we've had several 
problems with short-term rentals in the city of late where parties are hosted at them and they get out of control and they lead to violence. So this is our way of trying to get that under control, trying to make sure that we have a responsible party, no hiding behind LLCs or anything like that. And uh, right now the legislation would put a cap on a permit. So one permit would be able to operate for short-term rental units. Uh, we can still discuss whether that's going to go up or down, but the reason that number was thought of is that seems to be uh, a number that people can responsibly take care of uh, by uh, as a single person. Uh, each person can only have one permit per person running a, a property, so this makes sure there's a responsible party involved. Uh, this is still in committee, and we're going to be hearing it over the next couple months because we want to make sure that this legislation is, is exactly what it needs to be and effective so that we can have neighborhoods that really stay neighborhoods and are for people and uh, not being ruined by um, unruly tourists. Uh, we understand that, that short-term rentals do have a part to play in this city, so we want to strike a balance there, but we wanted to make sure that we're not just leaving it like the wild, wild west right now, which is where we're currently out in the city. Uh, other news, uh, we passed at a committee today a right to counsel for tenants who are facing eviction in court. Uh, that'll be going to the full board next week and should be passed uh, in the next coming weeks. That means that if someone is facing uh, eviction from their apartment, uh, they will get an attorney, much like if you're charged with a crime, you have a right to an attorney. This would also provide uh, legal help for people in housing court so that it can even the playing field and um, people are only being evicted for just legal reasons instead of uh, leaving it up to, um, you know, the disagreement with a landlord or anything else like that. Uh, and I want to emphasize, this is not going to prevent people from being evicted if they're not paying their rent or there's a good reason that they can get evicted, but this will protect people from being evicted illegally, which is what we're trying to prevent. Uh, and then... I don't think it will. Right now, there's actually a huge backlog with the eviction process. And what this will do, if uh, I'm reading this correctly, and what I've read about this, they have this in Kansas City, and it's been working fairly well there. This actually has fewer cases get to court uh, because a lot of it is, is reached in uh, mitigation outside of court. And so this actually kind of cleans up the court process. And then uh, the last bit of information I have, uh, Dan, next slide. I have an update. Uh, so we all know these buildings and uh, we all wish something would be done with them. Well, the update is, is that last Wednesday, the city sent seven letters to the owners of these buildings, one for each building, uh, informing them that if they do not stabilize the properties, the city will come in in a month and stabilize them to the tune of about a little over $200,000 each. That money will then get added on to their property bill. And if they don't pay it, the city will foreclose on it and take it back and it will go to auction for somebody who will actually do something with it. If you're unfamiliar with the history of these properties, uh, there was a proposal to build a large apartment building here uh, that would demolish all seven of the buildings. The neighborhood a couple years ago uh, held the three community engagement meetings about it. Uh, did a lot of uh, a lot of feedback in it, and in the end, issued a letter of non-support for the building. The Cultural Resources Office uh, recommended denial of the demolition. Uh, 
the preservation board upheld that denial of the demolition. And then the planning commission upheld the appeal of that, de that demolition, meaning that they were told no three times on demolishing these buildings. Since that's happened, they have deteriorated quickly. Uh, I'm not gonna make any accusations, but it seems like they're deteriorating faster than is natural. And so the city is taking action here to come in to stabilize the properties so that we can see some progress on this. And uh, there might be a possibility that one day we see them brought back to life and see life in them again. Uh, so we'll keep you up to date on that, but the process is starting and we are, we are finally taking some action. Uh, and at this point, I'm happy to take questions. Alan. Uh, in terms of Airbnbs, uh, is there a limit to the number that might be on a block, for instance? Is there any discussion of that? There's not right now. Um, the, the, where the legislation's at is we're not sure where, how many owners operate more than four each. Uh, so we heard from people today in testimony that ho that some own 20, some people own 40. Uh, so if you run it down to four, they're going to put a lot of those back to long-term rental or they're going to sell the building. We should see how that impacts the number on every block. Uh, we're not sure yet. And as I said, we're, we're still discussing the legislation. So I'm looking at ways to strengthen it. I think, for instance, something that might limit the amount of a building. So say you live in a four family and you're the only long-term renter in it and the other three units are short-term rentals, that would be kind of a nightmare situation to live in. And so we want to prevent entire buildings or entire blocks being taken over. So I'd like to see some more regulation on, on concentration in one spot. Um, we were presented a map today and I don't, I don't have it on me, but we were presented a map today that showed the concentration of Airbnb units uh, or other short-term rentals in the city. And Forest Park Southeast is actually inundated with them. We have lots in this neighborhood. And it's even worse, it's whole houses that are being rented out and not just units or shared rooms. Uh, what this does is it takes housing off the market. It takes affordable housing off the market. And so it exacerbates our housing problem in the city and causes rents to go up. So this is both about uh, bringing regulation to short-term rentals and easing up the pressure on affordable housing in the city. And uh, I think this will pay dividends. The city will see extra revenue. We'll be, we'll be properly categorizing things as short-term rentals and taxing them appropriately. Uh, and it'll bring order and that we'll be able to tell who owns them, who operates them and have them be accountable for that unit if there's any issues. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the the problem is that you know, right now people can make far more renting out a house every weekend instead of having a, a long term renter. And while that's beneficial for them, it's not beneficial for the rest of the neighborhood. So we do need to strike that balance and make sure that we are uh, not allowing our neighborhoods to be inundated with uh, short-term rentals.
Yeah, it's a longer process right now. And the idea is this, that if you're operating a short-term rental, that's a special kind of business in that spot. And so if you have an incident like happened on Washington a couple months ago, where there was over a hundred rounds fired in the middle of the night, lots of damage done to property surrounding that, uh, that the city would be able to just revoke the license and say, all right, you're not doing short-term rentals out of that anymore. And because it was on our radar, we could check to make sure that that's not happening. Uh, this is going to involve course, co close coordination between the police, between the building division and the rest of the uh, best of the entities at the city to make sure that we're keeping our neighborhoods safe and, and orderly. Um, and again, I want to emphasize there's good owners out there. There's good people out there who have short-term rentals and take very special care of them those people will not likely be affected by this legislation. Uh, we're really trying to tamp down on the uh, people who, who don't take care of them well and are not responsive or are out of state owners who, who can't possibly be keeping an eye on the property. Any other questions? Yeah, and I think I think that we're definitely exploring all the angles. We're having people come in and talk to us about from from every side of this issue, making sure that again we're not penalizing people who do good do good things with these, uh, and and having a cap on it means that people will still be doing this. But more often, what we see is that these properties end up costing the city a lot of money because we end up spending resources on them. Uh, the amount of times that police get called out to short term rentals that have gotten out of control. Uh, when somebody loses a life at a short-term rental, which has happened in the city, how do you put a price on that? So we, we really want to make sure that we're, we're making the neighborhoods what they should be neighborhoods and have, you know, room for tourism, but not have tourism rule the neighborhood. Yes.
we we do have mapping available and again i don't have that that map on me but i think um oh dan brought one up because dan's amazing uh so as you can see this this is a shot of our area right here here's forest park southeast right here uh and what i can say is you often see airbnbs and other short-term rentals uh have closer concentration around desirable areas that people like to visit uh and, and so you can see the neighborhoods that are most affected are forest park southeast the central west end and seward uh, and this is the, the, the case here though. And this map doesn't show what's like whole house, but I can guarantee you most of these dots are whole home, uh, rentals, um, in a neighborhood like ours, which is actually not a lot of high rises. It's a lot of single family homes. That kind of concentration takes away a lot of housing, uh, in neighborhoods like the central West end where you have more, more high rises in downtown, it probably isn't as bad. Although I can tell you, I've heard from a lot of people downtown that are really ready for regulation. Um, I'm sure if we mapped crime, it would probably map just because of the density and the, and the, where, where people are, there's also usually crime. So, um, but I imagine if you look at crime mass in St. Louis, we also see a lot of crime in North city and there aren't a lot of Airbnbs or short-term rentals in North city because right now North city is, is rather disinvested and there's not a whole lot of tourism and things like that up there. Uh, as we work to change that, we might see more, but we want to make sure that as we're introducing things, we make sure we're introducing them in a safe way. Zen, you had a question? Yeah, and there's obviously other factors that went into housing crashes too. Um, it's not like one city uh, controls that that policy, but also um, I'll note that we are at an advantage here and that we are kind of late to the party in terms of Airbnb and short-term rental regulation. So that gives us an advantage in that we've been able to look at what other cities have done and then not make the same mistakes that they have. So we've been really carefully looking at what New York did, what Denver did, what New Orleans did, what Pittsburgh did, and making sure that we are really, as I said, striking a balance and not uh, going for a complete ban. There's some cities that have gone for complete bans and they're still in court working that out. And meanwhile, short-term rentals are unregulated in those cities because they went for the hard route instead of going for the, uh, the balanced route. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. Uh, like I said, the bill's still in committee, so we're, we're still trying out ideas and hearing from people and um, 
you know, next time, I think the next meeting will probably be July 11th. Uh, and if you're either an operator or just interested in the subject, I would encourage you to attend and uh, listen to the testimony. And uh, if you have any thoughts, please share them. Yeah. Um, can submit Yes, you can submit written testimony uh, and send it to uh, it's BOA uh, for Board of Aldermen, BOA Cork at St. Louis mo.gov. And the board bill, by the way, is board bill 33 and 34. All right. Uh, BOA Cork, C L E R K at St. Louis, that's stlewis-mo.gov. And I have time for one more question if anyone has one. No, okay. Back to Dan, thanks Dan. Thank you, Michael. Uh, moving on, uh, we have some neighborhood updates from Ron Coleman. Ron, do you have anything to share? Of course you do, thank you. I'll probably just introduce myself. For those of you that don't know me, I'm your neighborhood improvement specialist from the city. I have the Central West End, Forest Park, Southeast, Kings Oak, uh, Sheltonham neighborhood. So my day-to-day -day is pretty much making sure your neighborhood works the way it's supposed to do. It's been more difficult lately with our labor shortages. You know your trash isn't getting picked up when you want to. The trees are dying and not getting trimmed. So that makes my job more frustrating. And I know yours too. But um, I'm here to try to solve any problems that might be out of the ordinary in that situation. I work closely with uh, the police and problem properties. If you have issues with any properties in your neighborhood, please reach out to me. Um, gosh, infrastructure, uh, lighting, uh, anything that's not working, trash isn't getting picked up on the litter barrels or that kind of thing, just go ahead and contact me. But I also work with businesses and try to make sure they're successful and, and help them. Um, just got to do all of that. So uh, happy to be here tonight. Thanks for turning out and supporting your city. I know you've got a lot on the agenda, but I'm happy to take a few questions if you would like. Yes, sir. I think they do have occupancy permits. Uh, it, there may be some details they need to finish working through. So I did hear that there might be something with, that the building division is working through with them but I am not 100% sure. Uh, they do have the units listed on their website ready to rent, but you can't rent them yet. So I know what you're saying, but I'll, I'll try to uh, figure that out and pass it on to Dan. Maybe he can give an update. Yes. I just wanted to air Oh, good, hi. We email a lot, yes. <laughs> sure. I'll make sure I leave right before uh, you get to me. Uh, I'll be here. Anyone else? Yes, then. Uh, 
I have not heard what's, no. The Laclede Gas Building? Yeah. Um, the the owner contacted me recently and, and there was, that, that building is, is a challenge, right? It, it's, a, it's a very unique spot. Sorry. Yeah. So the, the, there's an old gas pump station on, on Shoto Avenue, uh, right in the middle of the Aventura housing complex. They kind of built around it. Um, there is a company, Greater Goods, which I think is a great name. Uh, and they... Uh, we're going to make that their offices, uh, but it's a historical building. It had been long neglected. Uh, they ran into a lot of issues in their construction. And uh, I, I think they're in the process of applying for more uh, state historic tax credits right now so that they can finish the work. So it is still happening. As far as I know, they're still in process, uh, but they, you know, they're, they're tr trying their best to bring that building back to life because it's a very, very special building. Yeah, I thought you mentioned it. I thought that there was a specific issue that happened all of a sudden that I hadn't heard about. But yeah, they're still working through that. There were water leaking into the building. They couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And a lot of those kind of issues. But Okay, thanks, everyone. Oh, yeah, one more. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forty-two, forty-six, or something like that. Forty-two, forty-six, and across the street. Back in the old days, I could just make a call and the car would be gone. And now the tow lot's full. There's not enough drivers. There's, yeah, it's. Oh, yeah, the parking permit. So the, if the, those of you that live in a residential parking district, uh, the, the um, treasurer has taken over that from Park Central. They... Uh, stop doing it. So they have a process now that's going to be all a lot, very automated. They'll be able to drive through, scan the license plate, and tell if you're supposed to be there and have a permit. But my, I guess, the short answer is they're going to be flyering all of the properties that are in a residential district to let you know how to get your permit. That should be happening anytime now, and they hope to start rolling out uh, the permits in July, July first you can actually get the permit. I don't know when they're gonna start enforcing again uh, and how much time they'll give you to get the permit, but we're, we're really close. And if you do get a ticket, let me know and uh, yeah. Uh, probably, good question, but I would, yes, <laughs> yes. About what? Uh, yeah, you should be able to buy a guest permit. Yeah. So, yes.
I don't know. I haven't heard that detail with what the treasurer's office is going to do, but those are good questions. And hopefully it'll be on the flyer when it comes to your place. And they are going to be $40 per tag. So, yes. Per year? Per year. Hey, it's cheap, but Chicago is 130 or something like that. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, when, uh, if you have a guest, um, how are they going to identify that they are, I guess? Not. Oh, probably not. I mean, yeah. They, they, but the, like I said, they'll be able to scan plates now. So yeah, well, you have to, I, if, if it doesn't show, if the, the license plate doesn't show and then they look, they'll probably be able to look in the dash and see if, it's a, if there's a visitor permit or something there. But I really don't know. So I don't want to answer questions I don't know. <laughs> Yes, Sarah. Correct. Yeah, because every no, no, every block has to have a petition and they agree. And then so many cars in that block can't be living on that block. Uh, so there's a whole process and this merchant knows about it very well. <laughs> so, I yes. I have one more question. Sorry. I'm saying no, but I, I know there's a lot of other ways to get some Do you mean to get rid of a permit? No. <clears throat> yeah, talk, talk to your neighbors if you don't want it. Get a petition and give it to the alderman. But um, I'm sure there's ways we can get around that if, you know, take a collection and the neighbors can help out or something. But um, there's one more thing I was going to say about that. Oh, if you... I know some blocks have all day, 24 hours, and they don't really need that. So if you're affected by the medical campus, WashU uh, primarily, <clears throat> then you don't need a parking at night, especially if you're on Shoto. You don't need a district. So if you want to change it uh, to just eight to five, then maybe we can look at that. But if you're closer maybe to Urban Chestnut, you might want it. You don't need it during the day, but you want it at night. So... Just think about what your block wants and if you want to modify anything. So, okay, thanks, Dan. Thank you so much, Ron. All right, we're gonna jump into quickly speed through the treasurer's report. Uh, I'm gonna hand the mic off to Cami and she'll take us, take us through it real quick. All right, we had a couple dues and donations made, $70. Um, and then paid Zoom $15.99, bringing us to $2,929.90 in the bank. Um, if you want to be a member of Forest Park Southeast Neighborhood Association, it's a uh, pay what you want. We want everyone to be to have the chance to be a member and be a voting member. Um, you can pay via Cash App, 
cash or check to me after the meeting or before the meeting or whatever. Um, so excited to have so many people here and I think we're done. <laughs> yep, uh, cool, thank you so much. Uh, we're gonna jump into some community updates and news. A lot of the events, but we'll start off with uh, Park Central Stay in Place program. Uh, if you need mortgage assistance, water sewer assistance, HVAC cleaning, um, minor home repairs, senior cleaning services, real estate assistance or exterior uh, seasonal maintenance like lawn cutting. Um, you can reach out to Park Central, um, their number here and see if you qualify and to see what assistance you can receive. The number is 314-535-5311. Ooh, look at this, events. Uh, every fourth Saturday of each month at 10 a.m., we find another section of the neighborhood to clean. Uh, this Saturday, June 24th, we'll be finding another section of the neighborhood to clean. Um, you can meet us at the corner of Manchester and Newstead. We will provide the bags. We probably have some gloves. Um, little kids, adults, um, bring your dog maybe, who knows. Um, it's always a good time to meet your neighbors and clean up the neighborhood. Um, a new event we have for the kiddos, or adults, uh, is Popsicles in the Park. Uh, Thursday, July 27th at 6 p.m., we will head to Adams School Park right here at Vista and Newstead, um, and we'll be giving out free Popsicles. So join us for an evening in the summer uh, and cool off with some Popsicles and uh, meet your neighbors and stuff. It'll be fun. Uh, we also are having another event um, de-volcano mulching. If you've not heard of volcano mulching, it is the instance in which mulch piles too high on those lovely trees um, and traps in moisture. That moisture eventually turns into disease for the tree or rotting or unfortunately death. Um, so what we're going to do is pick uh, another section of the neighborhood here and find those volcano mulch trees and demulch them. Um, we'll provide the bags, or not the bags, the gloves, the shovels, um, and the tools needed to do that. Uh, for this one, I believe we're meeting at uh, 4444 Hunt. Um, there are some street lawn trees that have uh, too high of mulching. Uh, and if we get done with those, I think there's only like six or seven. We might head to uh, the 4400 block of Vista as well, and that has some volcano mulching happening. So join us for that. It's always a good time. Look at these happy faces. Look at them. Look at those happy faces. Look at Cam. He's so happy. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, the other events that we have, we're still trying to plan for some tree planting. We'll probably do that in the fall. Um, haven't nailed out those details, but we also have our neighborhood night out. We're finally getting around to planning more of that. That'll be on Saturday, September 9th at Shoto Park. Uh, every year we have a free food truck. Um, we have uh, some beer donated from Urban Chestnut. We'll try to have some games out there. Uh, we invite some local organizations to come and speak, like uh, GRG, TrailNet, um, uh, uh, Midtown Community Services, um, and maybe some more. But it's always a good time. It's about an hour, hour and a half long, two hours long. Um, and everyone's out there. So, so join us on that Saturday. Um, also, if you're looking for a free tree, um, we have 20, maybe 18, 17 now after, after giving away a couple. Um, but we have 20 trees to give to uh, residents in Forest Park Southeast or Kings Oak. 
um, to plant either in your front yard or your backyard. Here is a list of all the trees that are available, everything from a rose mallow to a hazelnut to a beautiful river birch or American elderberry. Um, if you are interested in one of these trees, uh, you can reach out to Cami or myself and we will put you in contact with uh, the person who is giving these trees away and he will even help you plant it. You don't have to do a thing except he'll ask that you water it to keep it alive. Um, lastly, uh, if you're interested in helping plan events, throw them on. If you like to throw a party, uh, not just attend one, uh, help us plan them. You can design flyers, flyers help coordinate, um, and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, let's see. That is all I have for events. If anyone has any questions or wants to participate in helping throw them, uh, reach out to myself or anyone on the board and we can, uh, put you in touch and get you to work. Um, next up, we have Dexter. From Dexter's art studio. Yeah. I'm gonna hand the mic over to, to Dexter here. I'm take the mic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I apologize. My daughter was supposed to have some labels, the titles of my painting on here, but we ran out of time. I apologize for that. And I also have some literature that I want to talk to. Okay, thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm the guest artist tonight, today, today and my name is Dexter Silvers. And I want, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate the invitation, the wonderful opportunity. If you have any questions pertaining to what I do or how I do it, please feel free to ask. I, um, I'm from Kirkwood originally, and I moved down here in 19, 74, and I've been down here ever since. I created a painting dealing with the reality of my situation. This is a painting I did in 1991. This is my home. This was my mother's house. And this is my mother's store. And she gave this building to me so I could have an operating studio. I'm going to go from here briefly. This is my mother. Her name was Bernice Roundtree. You, did you know her? I don't think no? I knew her. Okay. No. Bernice Roundtree with my wife, Gwen. Uh, yours truly. These are my two daughters. And my two sons. I built a Kool-Aid stand for them. And they were selling Kool-Aid for 25 cents a cup with fruit cocktail in the bottom. Uh, moving down this way with cousins, people from the neighborhood. And this is when Bart Simpson came out. Everybody was talking about the Simpsons. Um, anyway, I captured the moment, preserved it in time, so that future generations can appreciate it. 
Uh, as you can see, I've done a lot of St. Louis landscapes. And I've been spending a lot of time over here in Forest Park due to the pandemic. I spent a lot of time in there and I, was, I had an opportunity to paint some of the landscapes in the park. Not only in the park, I painted landscapes in the grove. And I have quite a few other landscapes. I got a total of 70 paintings of St. Louis in my collection. I keep them in storage. But um, over here to your right there, you can see what's under construction now. That is the Queen, Casino Queen. That's the first stage. It's gonna take me about maybe uh, maybe three or four months to complete. There's gonna be a lot of detail in there. But I really enjoy what I do and I take my time and I try to perfect it, try to be as accurate as possible. Uh, any questions? How come you're hiding it? Well, I'm not, I'm, I, I do show occasionally. Uh, I don't like to sell them, but I, I I, that, that's one reason why I still have so many. It's my private collection, and uh, I think that I am going to make my fortune through reproduction, limited edition prints, to save the originals for my children. That's my plan. But uh, it's it's a wonderful gift to have, and to me, it's like magic, you know. And I'm very thankful. Yeah, I've been selected, you know, to be able to do this. How did you get started painting? I'm sorry. How did you get started painting? I got started painting. My mother used to I have a painting, uh, two paintings in our closet when I was a kid. And I ran up on them. And I, she painted a picture in high school of her father's store. A lot of detail in it, you know, and I used to admire that picture so much. I should just study it, you know. Subconsciously, I was, I was feeding my brain, you know. And my father was an artist as well. Um, I used to sit back and just watch him draw, you know. And I didn't even know I was an artist until I was in the, the second grade. My my principal told me. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of good memories, and and this is what I did best. You know what I mean? And I said, "Wow, people seem to like what I do," and that taught me up. You know what I mean? When people, when I can give of myself, and people appreciate it. You know, and that's what it was. And I, I encourage other you know parents to praise their child and tell them how good they are and, and give them encouragement, you know what I mean? And it works. It works. Any other? All of my children are artists. Uh, my daughter, she works, she's a supervisor at a major insurance company. And she said she was at her desk just doodling, you know, on the phone. And one of the co-workers walked by and did a double take and said, wow, hey, y'all, come here and look at this. <laughs> and she said, she, she, she doesn't, you know, they just do it because they can, you know. And my son, Junior, Dexter Junior, 
he's ex extremely gifted. You know, he um, his style is so similar to mine. You know, but he he doesn't have that desire you know, that I had when I or that passion I had when I was his age. He drives an eighteen wheeler, and he <laughs> he's just as happy as he can be. You know, but uh, my story was a lot different. You know, I was. I wanted to do something with my career. And my parents couldn't in their, in their youth because things were different back then, you know. You could only go so far, you know. But uh, nevertheless, I, I really enjoy what I do. Look where I am now, in front of all y'all, you know. Yeah, yeah. I see one of your paintings, I can tell that's yours. Why is that? I'm sorry. Whenever I see one of your paintings, I can tell it's yours. Oh. Uh, why is that? What is it that makes yours so distinct? I love the skies are beautiful. I've never seen skies as well as you before. Well, thank you. Well, you know, I um, this is my signature style. By me being self-taught, I, I I didn't follow anybody else's lead, you know, and. It was all about trial and error, you know. Um, and I feel I felt comfortable. I made some mistakes. I used to put varnish on my paintings. Then I used to paint with, with linseed oil, and it gave us a, a shine. Of, you'd be in a certain direction, and you couldn't see the picture. So I decided to use this paint thinner, and my paintings are flat. You know, you can appreciate them from any angle of the room. Matter of fact, my painting, my signature is similar to uh, my paintings. You know, a lot of people talk on you know, my signature, you know, my handwriting. It's all it's a part of the gift, you know. The Lord blessed me with this, and I'm taking it, and I'm trying to run with it as, as far as I can. When do you think you'll have prints available? We have some prints available now. I uh, did um, Bush Stadium before they tore it down. Uh, I have friends of that. I have the arena, um, Union Station. I can't say. I'm not well. I'm actually I'm looking for a, a serious investor. I want. I would like to get all of my best paintings reproduced. Um, it's it's pretty expensive to have. Let me see the print for me. Yeah, get a Kickstarter campaign going. You have multiple investors. I'm sorry. Get a Kickstarter campaign going with online, multiple investors online. and on the website. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I would love to invest in that since I hope you get it. Well, this is a pretty popular one. A lot yeah. of people want to buy the original. Yeah. Um, That's very valuable. Right. It's, I would love it. Could you tell us about that location there? Is that um, Tower Grove and Shelter? Yeah. This is Tower Grove and Shelter. Yeah. There's a wonderful lady that lives right over this way from the. <laughs> She's such a nice person. How you doing, sweetheart? Well, <laughs> uh, what I was thinking. I would like to sell this original to what, Washu or whoever, 
so they can put this painting in their lobby, I think that'd be the most appropriate place for it. Yes, ma'am. Do you have a favorite painting? I'm sorry. Do you have a favorite? A favorite? Yeah. <laughs> 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 favorite? This is my masterpiece. This is my favorite. And it can't be bought at any price. This is our family heirloom. My grandkids are this age now, you know, and they, whenever they come to my studio, they point it out and they share information with each other. Yeah. You still have your classes that you offer? Well, since the, since the pandemic hit, everything changed, you know. Um, we used to serve uh, snacks, you know, at, at our paint parties and stuff to drink and everything changed. You know, we don't do that anymore. But uh, we're going to start up again pretty soon. Yeah. Any more questions? Mm -hmm. How do you choose what to paint? What scene to paint? What inspires you? I look for areas that are pretty popular, people that are familiar with certain things that I, and I know they're going to change eventually, you know. And once I find out that a landscape is getting ready to be altered, you know, I, I, I jump right on it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I just, well, I did the President's Casino before, before they destroyed it. And that's a very valuable painting, you know. Uh, I did the park more on Clayton Road, and I got I got I got a lot of heavyweights, you know. And they increase in value by the minute. That's one reason why I paint the landscapes, with landmarks. Many of them no longer here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I like I, I love the history of St. Louis, you know. <clears throat> and um I think with Clee Gad, yeah, they have a documentary of uh St. Louis back in the fifties, you know. And some of the buildings are still there, but the landscape has changed, you know. And I'm like, wow, I wish I could have painted some of those landscapes, you know, before they tore them down. Well, you might see me on any corner at any time, you know, I'm just painting away. Yeah. And you know what? I go in some of the worst neighborhoods in the city of St. Louis to do my landscape painting. And people say, man, you better watch it being out here like this. You carrying a gun? But the people, the people they're talking about, they're so nice to me. They, 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 they enjoy seeing something like this. It's like, it's amazing to them, you know? And I, I try to get them positive information that, they, that I can share with them, you know, do my part, you know, try and keep them straight. But a lot of kids, man, they need guidance. They need somebody to look up to. And this is a, this is a perfect opportunity for me to reach kids, you know? And I go, I go to schools and I talk and I demonstrate, you know, and try to make a positive difference. Mm -hmm. 
as soon as this is over, I'll check with you, Sammy. Great. <laughs> is that the judge? <laughs> yes. yes, it is. Sorry. <laughs> Where's he at? <laughs> okay. I just want to say thank you for coming tonight and sharing all your with us and making uh, such uh, a staple in the neighborhood. Um, yeah. it, it's so good to, to have you in the neighborhood and kind of documenting it all. So years and years and years of work and dedication that shows. Well, thank you. I hope this is just the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Uh, stick around and, and do take a look at, at Dexter's paintings. Um, we are going to move on to our next guest speaker and then wrap it up. Uh, we have Michael from the St. Louis uh, City Assessor, uh, who will talk about um, the recent assessments of properties and, and the office and all the like. Oh, let me start sharing my screen again. Hi, thanks for having me. Is everyone here? All right. Okay, uh, great. Definitely take the mic. All right. Sorry. Thank you for having me. Mr. Sellers is a tough act to follow. He, you know, produces all this beautiful art and I send you guys mail you don't want to read. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for having us. I'd uh, like to thank the Forest Park Southeast group, Alderman Browning. I was in a meeting with him this morning about the short term rentals that he mentioned. You know, I know he's hit the ground running since he got elected. So you have a hardworking alder in, in your corner as if you didn't know. Um, I won't dwell too much on the short-term rentals, but I'm happy to talk about it because this is something my office has been working on for years now. And this, this legislation is long overdue. Um, it, you know, I think if anyone's read the news, there are issues that need to be addressed with short-term rentals. And this legislation does exactly that. It's open for public comment. Um, I would advise all of you who had good comments tonight to submit those to the board because this legislation isn't totally worked out yet. And it's uh, it's taking public input now. So that's all I'll say about short term rentals for now. But I'm happy to talk about them more if anybody would like. Um, thank you, Dan. Uh, so once again, my name is Michael Dauphin. I'm the city assessor. I've been the city assessor for almost uh, four or five years now. I was appointed under Mayor Cruz and the assessor. Um, is in a, a mayor cabinet position. So it means I'm appointed by the mayor. Uh, it's not an elected position. Every other assessor in the state besides myself in Jackson County, which is uh, Kansas City, we are appointed. They're all elected. Um, and I think that's the way it should be. Uh, I don't, A, I don't think we need any necessarily more elected officials. We do have a good number right now in the city of St. Louis. Uh, but also I just think that um, you, my cohorts around the state, uh, they are worried about getting reelected all the time, and they're not always worried about the laws that we're supposed to follow when it comes to applying property values. Uh, I think it's really good that major cities like us in, in Jackson County have, you know, basically an unbiased somebody. It's the same reason I compare. You know, I'm a lawyer by trade, um, and I saw Judge Higney on there. Uh, it's the same reason, you know, why I think judges shouldn't be elected. I, I think we just need a, a nonpartisan individual to, to handle this office, but I won't go on my soapbox on that. But that's my name. That's my uh, title. This is what our office does. Um, we strive to value all the property in a fair and uniform manner and accurately identify and list and appraise all taxable property. 
when we talk about our office, we have personal property, which I'm sure a lot of you folks might have come down there and got a waiver or statement of non-assessment from us or just sorted out your declaration or your personal property account. So that's the personal property. Then we have real estate records, uh, which is, you know, um, if you wanted to see your deed, which is more so the recorder of deeds, but we have the plats and maps and all of that uh, ranging back for a very long time. Uh, and then the third, the most popular right now is our real estate department. And that's us putting values on all commercial and real property. Uh, this year, every odd number of years, a reassessment year. Um, the last one was in 21 and this one's up again. Uh, the biggest thing I want to impress upon you tonight, if you take anything away, if you think that we're wrong, please appeal. Um, a lot of folks think that, you know, we would try to, that we, you know, resent people who appeal and all that. Absolutely not. I want people to appeal if they, you know, assuming they think that, that we're off base. The appeals is the best opportunity for us to, to really get it right, because a lot of times we can't see what's in your home uh, unless you, you know, tell us that, well, look, we got all this, you know, this work that needs to be addressed. We don't know that if you don't tell us about it. So please do not hesitate to appeal if you think that we're off on your value. Um, real property versus personal property kind of went, you know, I think that that's kind of self-explanatory. I don't know how many people here have any livestock or horses or anything like that. But uh, if you did, you declared those on your personal property. You can go. Thanks, Dan. Um, this is just about, we switched VIN number or uh, part, um, the parcel numbers. We switched that system a couple years ago. And that just kind of explains why we're kind of bringing it more up to date with the modern code. Um, go ahead and move on to the next one. This is, uh, this is kind of the meat and potatoes of what's going on right now. When, when we're looking at property values, this is the stuff we consider. How big is your lot? Uh, does the property have any improvements? Is there a garage? How many bathrooms? What's the condition? Uh, and when we talk about improvements, we're talking, have these people pulled permits for work? So I know everyone in this room is diligent about pulling their permits, but um, you know, those are the things we look at when, when you know, if you, if you, Pull a $100,000 permit to make an addition on your house. It doesn't mean your house is dollar for dollar going to go up $100,000. But um, those are the, these are the things that we look at, and it's everything that they can see from the outside. Now, if you appeal and when you appeal, um, we will give, we'll have the opportunity to see the inside if you want us to. Uh, our, we have appraisers assigned to all the neighborhoods. Last time I came here was a, two or three years ago, and I had our appraiser assigned to this neighborhood. Uh, they couldn't make it tonight, so I'm on my own. But... Um, we're happy to, to come out and take a look right now to appeal. Your deadline is uh, July 10th, I believe. It's the second Monday of July. That's the appeal deadline. Um, from there, we, we have an informal appeal process, which the majority of them get worked out at that level. And, you know, that's when you'll say, hey, I have all these issues. Or uh, if you send in pictures, we're happy to take those into consideration. If you want us to come out and take pictures, we're happy to do that. If you don't want us to come into your house, but you don't have a smartphone or a camera, we can come out and bring a camera and you can take the pictures. Whoa, sorry. Dexter. Uh, you can take the pictures for us and we'll be happy to, to, to take that information and put it in our file for your, your property record card. So those are the things we consider when we're placing a value on your house. Um, and, you know, these are what happens after your property is reviewed. The estimated value is compared to a neighborhood sales that align with the market. So sales are something that we definitely track and they're important. That information that I passed out, it has all the recent sales um, for your neighborhoods and it has the average percentage value change in those. Um, you know, th this area is a little more unique than a lot of the other neighborhoods in St. Louis, as you know. Um, in Oak, 
you know, I know that in some, there's not quite as many sales in your neighborhood, but there's certainly high level sales. So um, you can, the sales are important, but they're not the only thing we look at. You can go on to the next one. Uh, I wish that every city official carried this slide with them everywhere they went um, and showed it to folks because there's an expectation that, oh, well, I'm going to pay my tax bill and the city's going to get all the money and I don't get the services or whatever. My dumpster's full and um, which are all valid complaints. But I just think this is a good slide to put things in perspective. If you had a thousand dollar tax bill, that's where it's getting broken up to. The city gets about 20 percent. St. Louis Public School District, it's the majority of it. They're almost 60 percent. And then all the other taxing jurisdictions are looped in there. And then, you know, I think in this neighborhood, there might be uh, an SPD or a SID that, yeah, SID. So if you own a business uh, or, if, you know, that's, you know, that's also a taxing jurisdiction that is just a very tiny dot that wouldn't show up on this, but it's no different. So um, here's what, uh, as far as, you know, what's going on forward. Here's just a couple updates that we met. Big one. We are hiring. If you know anyone who's interested in working for the assessor's office or the city in general, we have a ton of openings and, and we're, we, right now my office is about 15% short on staffing and we haven't hired anyone for over a year. And that's not because we haven't wanted to hire anyone or that's not because nobody's applying. Well, it is because there aren't a lot of people applying and they're not showing up once they schedule interviews, which is pretty wild to think about. But um, so we are hiring and please, you know, uh, the city salaries over the last few years have only been increasing. There's going to be a new increase that's coming basically as effective uh, starting G uh, June 18th. So everybody just got a 3% raise, nothing like that aldermanic raise they got. Uh, but that's okay, because Michael did tell me that he was going to offer to pay for all of your parking passes uh, for those affected by it uh, with that new raise that he got. So um, here, uh, the next one is some important deadlines. We'll go ahead and leave it on here. The other slides you all have in front of you. So we'll leave this up, and uh, mostly I'll just shut up and open up for questions, because I know there's usually a fair amount. Yes, sir. We do. Um, but usually, you know, those that are interested in that, uh, they're not the tip. A lot of times they don't even live in the neighborhood where they own the building or it's some LLC in Denver or whatever. So this we try to take that out of the mix and just deal with single family um, just because that's what most of the folks that we're talking to or that come to these meetings. But if, if you wanted that information, I would be happy to share it with you. Um, I know there's a slide. I, I don't know if I have any cards on me, but there is a slide that has my contact information and I'm sure Dan would be happy to give it to you as well. But uh, mm -hmm. next question. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said with permits are pulled, that goes into kind of... It's a consideration, yeah. So well, let's say, you know, for instance, Last summer, the, one of the storms caused a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. Pulled a bunch of permits mm -hmm. to get back to the. Sure. Like, sure. Is that something that, that I should? I mean, you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I would start with. Do you think we've overvalued your property? If the answer is yes, then um, I would tell you to please appeal. Uh, as far, you know, something like that, we may not have known that you had all that damage and we saw improvements. And not every permit that's pulled for an improvement. Do we can like if you got a new roof, we wouldn't be like, oh, look at them, they got a new roof. You know, everybody needs a roof. Um, so it just depends on what the improvement is. We, we do use, you know, some discretion with it. But uh, 
yeah, that's not something we would know unless you appealed. So please feel free to appeal if it looks like we're off or anything like that. And that's absolutely why we want people to appeal because we need, you know, it's kind of like a help us help you situation. The other thing I want to point out about the increases, and then we'll get these questions. On average, the city was about, for single family residential, it was about 11%. Um, you might see some, your numbers look weird a little bit, or a little different in this neighborhood because some of them are, we've had way bigger increases, but this neighborhood, as you guys know, there are a lot of projects that will come out of abatement or whatever it may be, or just full on rehabs and remodels. So the, the this neighborhood, I kind of did a second look when I saw how big some of the increases were, but then I would, you know, I remembered why they were so big. Um, so that just, I want to explain that, but about 11% was what we saw. That was like on average, what the most common, increase was it doesn't mean that's what everyone got some people were more some people were less just depends on what go, was going on but that's about what we had this year was about 11 percent. yes sir okay great ma'am mm -hmm. go on i'm just wondering like how much are their taxes going up be able to afford that. Um, so you're, you're talking about the light green between the 5.6, 15%. That is the most common. And that kind of goes to what I was just saying about 11% was normal. Well, uh, that it depends on what your property's worth. So, I mean, if it was a hundred thousand dollar property use a round number, uh, you know, that you may have, well, I'd have to know what your tax, it, it, the short answer is it depends on how much your property's worth. The, the 11%, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the point that you're getting at are the folks that are have been longtime neighborhood folks who are maybe getting priced out because the neighborhood is getting a lot more expensive than when they bought it years ago. I'm very sympathetic towards those folks. Uh, I've had relatives that have been in that situation. And, you know, those fixed income folks with nice houses, you know, the reality is they have a house that's worth a lot of money or more. But. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. they have to these people away from the homeless people. They're getting pushed out. They can't pay their taxes. They're not here, so they don't know how to get help. And Denver, I'm from Denver. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I slammed Denver. <laughs> I like Denver. <laughs> there are a lot of LLCs that are buying up air, you know, short-term rentals here, and they don't live here. And yeah. Sure. Well, I think I think that's how they're affording to live in Denver is by making their money here. But go ahead. I think they put up people Yeah. Look, so that's a good point. The, there's actually a couple of things and this. I'm really happy you asked this question for these for the folks that cannot afford their that are getting priced out and are on fixed income and they may not be able to afford their tax bill. Um, the first part of your question I want to answer is. Uh, now more than ever, we have programs in place to, to help those folks. RETAF is one of those programs that started a couple years ago. Um, the collector's office and Park Central has been involved uh, and some of the alders and, and our offices too. Before that, it was just circuit breaker and it was just this barely funded thing from the state that if you made, if you were in poverty and made next to nothing and you're older than 65, the state might give you a couple hundred bucks. RETAF is a new program. I think it's just retaf.org. 
uh, that's funded through the mayor's office has kicked in a lot of money. Local businesses have. Uh, they've had fundraisers. Um, Four Hands Brewery, they're good friends of mine. I got them to donate the proceeds from their citywide beer for a quarter to, to this retaf program. Um, they are there to help these folks. Uh, I can't speak to what they do on a daily basis, but it's a wonderful service that I hope that people know about. And given the fact that Park Central has been so involved, I would hope that in this community, especially, that there is awareness and there's information out there. Now, RETAF, I think it's just RETAF.org. Now, the second part of your question has to do with, with seniors who are 65 and other states. The, our state legislature recently passed this past session, uh, along with you know probably letting it be legal for your dog to carry a gun, they passed this law to, uh, to freeze tax increases for individuals for 65 years and older. Now, that passed. It's on the governor's desk. I don't know if the governor's gonna sign it, if he does, I've heard both ways. I've heard that he's not that into it, and then I've heard that he won't or that he will. I, I think it's all over the place, but he has to end of August, I think, to sign it. If he does, then they'll all go into effect, and I don't think it'll have an impact on anyone this year. I think if, it, if the governor signs it, one of two things can happen. The county, in this case, St. Louis City, can elect to opt in to this program. And mind you, it just freezes them. So it would probably freeze them at the 23 level, which we're pretty high right now. So it doesn't do as much good as, as the legislature thought it might. But if it passes, the county would have to opt in. If they don't, uh, it, there is a mechanism for it to be put on the ballot by petition signatures. So right now we're waiting, A, to see if the governor is going to sign it. And if he does, B, to see, you know, I've already been talking to the Board of Aldermen, the mayor's office about what opting in looks like, because I assume they're going to opt in. Um, but that's kind of where we're at. It's been passed, but it's not in effect. It's not law yet, but it very well may be. If it doesn't, I'd still point people to the RETAF program. Honestly, I would point people to the RETAF program no matter what, because it's very funded right now. The amount of money that they've put in there um, versus the amount of money that people need to utilize this better. And they haven't been utilizing programs like this because there hasn't been one this good. But if you know anyone that could benefit from this, I would strongly urge you to, to send them any information, uh, you know, the website or whatever you need for the RETAF program and, or just send them our way or contact me and we'd be happy to get them that information. We call these things that the uh, geniuses in Jeff City pass without really working with any of the counties is unfunded mandates. They basically just say, do this. And then we're like, okay, we'll do it. How? And they're like, figure it out. And we're going to be like, all right, well, where's the money coming from? To which they respond, figure it out. Um, so she's exactly right. Sarah knows what she's talking about. Uh, 
I like I said, I don't know if the governor's going to sign it. And I heard this woman uh, spot a term that that I think um, could really benefit uh, this bill, and that is means test. Uh, I think a lot of us understand that a means test is appropriate for legislation like this. I'm not sure that that was baked into what they ended up with, sir. Sure. Sure. I'm going to reply, but with a little more professional language, uh, a few different points to bring up here there. I am not elected. Like you said, I'm not elected. I'm appointed. I was appointed under Mayor Cruson and then uh, Mayor Jones reappointed me. Um, if I was appointed or elected, that doesn't mean I write laws and, and all the laws that, that I'm sure you know this, but all the laws that dictate property values and, and how I do my job, they're state statutes that I didn't write and no other elected assessor wrote them either. Those are your state reps and your state senators. They write the laws that we follow. And, and I'm very serious about following the law and upholding the law. Um, so that is how we follow. So whether it was me or anyone, or if I was elected, it doesn't mean I write the law. So that's one thing we follow. If you want to um, talk about, you know, where's the equity? We have a, we have a very fair appeal process that I think is fair and that I've been talking about all night. And, and yeah. And, and have you ever gone through it? Yeah, and you split use, yeah. And there was a back building that I was teaching kids how to box them. The assessor came back the last time and said to me, Oh, this is a commercial building in there because there's a gym. This is not a licensed gym, there's no commercial activity going on. But they double my tax. Well, that, that's, did you appeal the classification? Mm -hmm. Every time they appeal it, they still do it the same way every time. Well, I'd be happy to talk to you about your property. And, and if, in, if, you're, if it's not a business and it's commercial space then, and you're teaching boxing, then I would encourage you, if, if you can, to, if it's a charity, to get it as a nonprofit and you get that area exempt. 
Uh, and I and I deal with the exemptions all the time. And we're happy to help folks with that. Now, if you're running a business out of there, then I don't know what to tell you. It sounds like they determined that it was commercial. At least that portion of it was. And um, yeah. And sure. And that's how it goes. And just like short term rentals, you know, yeah, businesses get taxed as businesses, just like every other small business owner who gets taxed for their business would expect if somebody owned a property and Airbnb it full time and didn't live there. That's a business, right? So, and they don't live here, they live in out of state. That's a business and that's a classification issue. So if your property is being used as a business, we look at use, we look at the use and that's what, what we base our, our deal on. Now, I can't, there was one other part that I wanted to bring up in, in your question or comments, but I, I, it's escaped me now. But if you'd like to discuss further, I'd be happy to talk it, talk it over with you. Um, and it, All right. Well, after the meeting, you can tell me what those are, and I'd be happy to know them. Well, th that reminds me of the last point I wanted to bring up. Um, since COVID has happened, things have gone haywire. Everybody knows that home values were impacted by COVID. Home values went up quite a bit since COVID. We kept them last year during COVID. We didn't raise them as much as we saw the sales were going because we didn't want to have a knee-jerk reaction to the market. The market has still been going higher and higher and higher. I don't make up the sales. People who pay for these properties decide what they're worth, not me. I mean, we, we react to it and we put the value on it based on that. Um, so the same thing happened with vehicles. It was wild, personal property. Anytime I've bought a vehicle, uh, they've told me once I get to the financing, you know, and they know they got me on the line, they're like, you don't want to put any more money down. Your, this investment is going to go down the second you drive it off this lot. That's not the case anymore. Vehicle values went up. So COVID had some weird impacts that we didn't really plan for. I didn't think the residential market would keep climbing the way it has, but it has. And I, I don't make a wand and wave it and say, this is what people are paying. That's what they're paying. You know, so, I mean, we don't make up sale prices. We, we got to go. Sorry. Yeah, this was a long one. Yeah. I'll, I'll be happy to stick around for a minute if anybody has any questions. Thank you again for having me. And uh, thank you for being engaged neighbors. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, a few finishing things here. We do have a list of upcoming speakers that we might reach out to. Everyone from TrailNet and the Tower Grove Cortex Connector to uh, Michael Allen and Preservation. Um, next up, we have our cleanup event this Saturday. D-Volcano Mulching, July 12th. Our next meeting is July 17th. And then Popsicles in the Park. Uh, Thursday, July 27th um, at 6 p.m. Uh, thank you, everybody. We promise that we'll be out here by 8 o'clock and we've already gone over. So if we can all just head out to the sidewalk. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you later. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.